This is Jack Griffin, City Manager here at the City of San Marcos. Welcome to the latest installment of the San Marcos City Podcast. Today I'm really pleased to have as a guest Shaheen Sadegi. Uh, Shaheen is the creator and founder of Lab Holding LLC. Uh, they're a company based in Costa Mesa. Shaheen, thanks very much for joining us. Uh, it's a pleasure. Thank you, Jack. So uh, by way of quick introduction, and I'll turn it over to Shaheen to sort of uh, talk a little bit about himself, his company, and then we'll get into some of the issues that uh, folks in his line of business are dealing with in this sort of, in this pandemic time when there's all these restrictions on our on our movements and the things we can do. Um, Shaheen's company, um, Lab Holding, uh, initially built what's called the Lab in Costa Mesa in 1993, called it, built it as an anti-mall, um, and then uh, built a, a near there across the street, essentially, uh, another development called the Camp. I came to know, uh, get to know Shaheen a little bit through the Anaheim Packing District project. Um, and then they've also done other things like Center City, Anaheim, Casino, and San Clemente. So some, some really cool projects in, in Orange County. And, and um, when we get to the San Marcos project, we'll talk a little bit more about it. But I was really drawn to the idea that Shaheen brings to his business, his companies or his developments. Um, it's not just about the stores and the restaurants. It's about the place. So, Shaheen, why don't you take a, a few minutes and just talk us a little about yourself, introduce yourself, um, and, you know, what your vision for the company was, and, and, and then, like I said, some of the challenges you're dealing with in this really interesting time. Well, great. Uh, thank you again for uh, having me and the invitation, Jack. Uh, so, my, my sort of journey started uh, um, back in 1992, 93 is when we opened our project. My background is... Uh, Quite honestly, the action sports industry, I was president of Quicksilver Surfing Company. And prior to that, with Gotcha Sportswear, and prior to that, with Jansen Sportswear. So uh, my my expertise was uh, golf apparel and, and um, swimming apparel and tennis and surf, of course. And then later on, as the industry grew, we got into snowboarding uh, and so forth. So... We're a public company, and uh, we were, uh, you know, had tremendous growth with these brands. And I think it was through this experience and the fact that I was doing lots of international business. I actually had an office in Hong Kong for about 10 years that I went back and forth on. Um, that I recognized that the sort of the American retail landscape was just so much more behind than what I was seeing in other parts of the world. Um, so I think that was the inspiration that sort of got me thinking about. And um, specifically, one of the challenges I saw back in the early 90s, um, you know, Quicksilver grew to be about a $2 billion company, but many of the department stores we were working with just, you know, really went under. And it seems like many of the Many of them happened very quickly, within a couple of uh, 24 months, I'm going to say, within a couple of years. And, you know, some of the listeners might remember the Broadway, Bullocks, um, and uh, Buffums here in Fashion Island up here in Orange County. And 
So we're, we were starting to really see um, sort of this change uh, and shift. And I personally also um, felt that the malls were becoming things of the past. Uh, that was 30 years ago, so I was probably overthinking it at the time, but I really didn't see the, the traditional mall structure as sort of the future. And primarily because this next generation of the consumers that were coming through you know, we're a lot more sophisticated and oh, the next generation of um, women uh, shoppers were also more sophisticated. It was really less about just pushing a stroller around the mall or if you were, you know, if you're going on a date, you know, the chances of going into a mall on a date uh, was less likely. Um, I grew up in Michigan, so uh, and particularly because of the weather. You know, the malls became our downtown. That's right, in the wintertime especially, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, a lot of our downtowns in the in the Midwest sort of became obsolete. So that's where you did go on your dates and for entertainment and everything else. So I, I had just really felt that by the time the 90s came along, much of that had changed. Um, so um, I, I think that was the sort of the gist of where this idea of the lab came from. And I think... Concurrently, I've been involved in many of these smaller um, surfing action sport brands, and we would grow these brands into these international organizations. And there was a, there was just feeling of magic and excitement about taking this very specific Southern California American product, and the rest of the world, you know, wanted to look like us, and they wanted our products, and. I think through that experience, I felt that much of the innovation, the newness, and the excitement, quite honestly, even back then, came from smaller companies. And um, I, I was pretty convinced at that time that you know small businesses in America is where um, sort of the innovation is going to come from. Sure. And, and so I, I think. Obviously, I, I feel that that's even more apropos today uh, as the homogenization of you know, restaurants and department stores and everything else in our culture has sort of uh, peaked. You know, um, I, I think that the focus is and the excitement is back to small businesses. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, I think that's, it's, it's interesting because I think at the government level, to some extent, it's similar. I think that some of the the smaller or the medium sized cities tend to be the bigger risk takers and a little bit more innovative and in, in service delivery. Maybe it's just harder in those the larger, the organization, maybe the harder it is to be nimble and, and entrepreneurial. Um, and so that, that sort of, that makes sense that, um, you know, the smaller businesses, that's where the, the risk taking occurs um, and the change, the change can happen. Um, so that, so um, why don't we talk a little bit about, so you're, your developments, I mean, uh, the Anaheim Packing District is the one that is, is I'm most familiar with, or at least I was most, fam most familiar with, because I actually got to see it, I think, back in late 2012, 2013, while it was sort of just getting under construction, and it was walking into that building at that point in time and looking at it and thinking, wow, I'm, this is going to be an interesting project, because it's just the architecture and how you were trying to preserve all of that, but it's such a gathering place, and obviously that's been the thing that 
we haven't been able to do as a society now for what, seven plus months. So maybe um, talk a little bit about the, the challenges that it's presented to you and maybe, you know, what you see as uh, um, the light at the end of the tunnel or the hope or the, um, you know, how you see things maybe evolving as we come out of this um, sort of crazy shutdown time. Mm, okay. Uh, well, the packing house, uh, quite honestly, went on the map for us nearly 16, 17 years ago. And we were trying to do it in the city of San Clemente, and our project got referendum out, unfortunately. And so we took that business model, and we had the opportunity to do it in Anaheim. And I'm glad we did. But I think there's a there's really a layers of um, platforms of what really made us do do a food hall, which and it was one of the sort of the first in America which started the trend. Um, I think that we've learned that retail has really become and has to be much more of a social interactive um, environment and presentation as opposed to pure consumption. And I can talk about that a little bit further. I think the other um, cultural shift we're seeing, you know, I am convinced that as a country, you know, we now are really recognizing the value of localization. I, you know, I call it localization, personalization, customization, as opposed to homogenization. And, you know, a, I think a clear example would be, you know, our communities see an, a, another macaroni grill or an Applebee's or a Denny's open up down the street and the old days, it was it was great. I can go to Denny's, and and I think these days it actually takes away from the brand or the the culture of the community and our um, products and projects in this country became so homogenized that it sort of wiped away the soul and the personality of of each location. And so today, I think there is this resurgence of identity where can each area, each city, each county. Uh, I live here in Orange County, and there are 34 cities in this county. And I promise you that all 34 cities now have really recognized the power of branding. And I think that's very important in terms of the next generation of our citizens. Um, you know, people want to live in a place that's cool, that has special amenities, that has you know their needs. They don't necessarily want to you know, be surrounded by strip malls and national chains. And, you know, um, so I, I think people today really care. Um, and, you know, without getting too sort of philosophical, but one of the things that, you know, I really sense is, you know, our country, after World War II, Europe was destroyed and Russia was destroyed and Japan was destroyed. So America really became the manufacturing base of the of the world. Um, in other words, you know, it, it, in order to survive, you you most likely have to buy your goods and services from us. And I think it was through this process that we built the most powerful middle class in the history of mankind. And through this, I think everything for us in terms of uh, products and services became very 
formula based. And, you know, and the problem with formulas, you know, formulas have no empathy and formulas, you know, don't necessarily have that human connection. So the idea and the business principles back then was that you came up with a product and, you know, I remember again, growing up in Michigan, you know, if it, if you were just this really an amazing local, you know, restaurant that had been there forever, third generation, um, you know, people didn't really appreciate that value. The value was judged and the instrument of measure for success was, does your concept have legs? Meaning, can you just roll them around the country? And if it did, then that was meaningful. So, hmm. you know, whether it was our hotel chains, you know, everybody traveled from state to state. We all stayed, you know, I remember with my family, you know, we stayed, my dad would take us to a Holiday Inn or Robert Johnson. If you were a traveling salesman, that's where you stayed. And you went from state to state and you ate at McDonald's or Burger King and and we really liked this idea of knowing what we're getting. So Your we parents sound just like my parents. Yeah. <laughs> we did a cross-country trip from Philadelphia to California and back, and we would only stay at Holiday Inn. So that's the only interstate stops we got off on. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's interesting because the mentality was, you know, I want to stay at a place that I'm familiar with, you know. Yeah, I exactly. And I think really today, I think we've, you know, we paid sort of a dear price for that because, again, I think, everything became so mechanical and sort of wiped out the personalities and the opportunity. Um, So I think today, this next generation of consumers is completely different. I think they're, you know, I mean, looks what happens, what's happened to like every single category, whether it's food, you know, there's so many different categories. And, you know, this is the most international cuisine I remember America being, you know, you know, Chinese restaurants are commodity and sushi is a commodity and, Thai food and, you know, you name it. So I think people are wanting to venture out. I think the other um, part of the equation is that so many of our younger generations are, you know, cooking is back. I mean, I I think sort of the culinary thing really kicked back in probably about 10 years ago. And so it's a it's a true art. And and the idea of, you know, using local farms and and using um, local produce, all all of that is back. Uh, And that's really very, very exciting for me. And, you know, the reality is, you know, if I'm going to travel to Austin, Texas, you know, I don't want to go to Austin and eat at Cheesecake Factory. I want to try some, you know, badass Austin or Texas barbecue, you know. Um, So I think when we travel, we want to go experience these regional celebrations. If I'm going to Portland, Oregon, you know, I want to do, I want, I want to go experience craft beer i don't i'm not going to order budweiser you know sure and i really think it's happening all around the country and that's so much more exciting than this you know homogenized model um i also think as a nation you know i i think we can certainly see it through the elections i mean i think you know it seems like each state is its own country in a sense you know um and and how people live let's say here in california is so different than you know how people live in you know alabama yeah that's kind of the design right yeah and and i think people just have more choices and i think people have more options and you know they're they're definitely have the ability to to select the type of lifestyle they want um so all of that i think has really moved the needle um in terms of you know what our thinking is in, in terms of putting products together so to uh, sort of the long way around the packing house really was the idea was let's bring a collection of local food art artisans together. Uh, and we've recognized that I jokingly say, you know, my generation drank beer 
and this generation wants to know how to make beer mm -hmm. and then they'll drink it and you know so we've done six breweries so far and you know how popular they are around the country i, I think the idea is people want to have the conversation you know i want to talk about special brew i'm doing for halloween and you know and why i selected to put spices in it and i think people are looking for that and you know this is these breweries have become sort of these new community centers you know and so i think conversation having the social aspect to all of the products or our services is very very important and i really feel the packing house really delivered on that because you can have the conversation with the makers and it's not, I don't have a single chain. Uh, you know, there's no Starbucks in here. There's no subways in here. You know, so I think it's an opportunity for people to connect with local products and it really becomes a great celebration. I, I honestly think that, you know, creating that village was a success. Well, I think that, yeah, I mean, I think you hit that one right on the nose. Um, I know that when um, we were, we'll, we'll talk about the San Marcos project, but when we were talking to you sort of leading up to, there being even a potential San Marcos project, one of our council members at the time, uh, Crystal Dubarra, she said that her daughter, you know, living down here in San Marcos and her friends would go to the packing just, packing house just to get coffee because it was such a cool place. And then I could tell you that uh -huh. my daughter, I would take my daughter every once in a while up to a concert, either at the House of Blues in Anaheim or was it the National Grove? I think it's the other venue up there. And, and the that was that was our that was our pre-concert stop to get a bite to eat because you know it was always a different place to try and, um, and I think one of the you know things that I think we found as a city interesting in talking to you um, beyond being a developer you're an operator um, and that's pretty rare that you um, that you manage the facilities you develop um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about that because like I said I think don't think that's all that common in in the, the sphere of business that you operate in. Well, I think um, that's a great question, Jack, and thank you for bringing that up. I think we really felt that authenticity is really important to people and certainly important to us. And, you know, part of this mass homogenized um, landscape that we created over the last, you know, after, after World War II, as I mentioned, um, so a lot of it was not authentic. And I think, again, this is a very critical generation, next generation of consumers. And, you know, they they can smell it when it's not authentic. And so an, an example of that is, you know, if if I'm going to do a, um, if I'm going to create, let, let's say, our camp project, which is uh, 20 years ago, we built the first green retail center in the country that I'm aware um, and it was all about outdoors and healthy living. Uh, we had the first, created first vegan restaurant, first yoga studio. Um, and the tennis that I brought in were Patagonia. So there were a lot of like-minded, high-integrity products. So when the economy um, went bad, and I particularly remember, you know, because, you know, 9-11 happened mm -hmm. during this this project, which was, you know, just a disastrous situation for our country, both emotionally and financially, when the country shut down. Yes. Well, at that point, you know, I just didn't have the luxury of throwing a radio shack in there. But, you know, I had to stay on course in terms of the authenticity and the um, environmental aspect of the camp. And so 
had I done that, I think we would have lost a lot of integrity with our consumer. And the same thing at the packing house. I mean, I think, you know, we get calls from national tenants all the time that want to be a part of this project. But if I put a Starbucks in there, honestly, I think it's going to be great for Starbucks. I think it's going to take our authenticity and our our brand trust away. Because I think if you if that was the case, I can't imagine your daughter going up to Anaheim to, to just have the Starbucks experience. No, that I don't think right so. Now. So I really think it was through that type of the thinking that we felt that once we develop a project, we really have to also commit to some of the products. And so as an example, at the packing house, we wanted to have this central bar and it, we spent about three years negotiating with ABC the opportunity for, you know, moms and dads and or friends to visit the packing house and be able to, you know, get, you know, get, get a glass of beer in one place and get a glass of wine. Maybe your your wife, your girlfriend, or you wants to have a glass of wine and then be able to walk around and enjoy their food. Well, it was the first place that I'm aware in the state of California that you could do that because okay. typically you have to be in a sort of a designated area. And so I, I wasn't going to take any chance of having anything go wrong and after we negotiated so hard and the uh, ABC gave it to us as a trial. Okay. And so um, – and we would talk to you know these sort of bar operators and they would come in and I would talk to guys, operators out of L.A. that were really experienced. But they all had this sort of club mentality and they just wanted to drive a lot of liquor through there, you know. Uh, which wasn't bad, but it didn't fit the culture that I was trying to create at the packing house. I wanted it to be more about family. Sure. Um, and then I would talk to some of the local folks, and their their interest is, you know, doing $1 beer on Tuesday nights, you know. And so I think at the end of the day, we thought, you know, if we don't get this right, it's really going to affect the entire project. So we ended up opening our own bar. And, you know, I can't tell you like I, I know nothing about running a bar but we hired good people and we figured it out and i'm so glad we did because it's really sort of it's become sort of the pulse of this project when you go in and, and if it wasn't ran exactly the way we wanted to operate it i i think we would have really regretted it and um the other example is at the camp project uh, one of our anchor tenants went out um it was adventure 16 which was the product is an outdoor product that really felt that that felt the need for the uh, uh, sort of the outdoor apparel for the camp because it was all about nature. When they went out, you know, we there wasn't another operator that I knew um, that would do and, and offer the products we were looking for at twelve thousand square foot. And so we developed our own retail called Sea People's Market. It's still there. Um, so I think. We've done that many times now, and we own you know a handful of restaurants and bars and retail and so forth. And it's interesting enough because I, I sort of called this one out some time ago, realizing that you know the, the old model is you build a mall and then you you know the developer would go to ICSC, which is the international sort of shopping center console that's the largest in the world that happened in Las Vegas, and you sort of shop for tenants and the tenants national tenants, whether it be the Gap or McDonald's or what have you, would have a representative there and you basically do your deals. And today I'm seeing that 
you know, if we look at the some of the biggest, you know, Simon being one of the largest mall owners around the country, I don't know if you've been tracking, but they've been buying the retailers. Okay. So when Forever 21 filed bankruptcy, Simon, the mall developer, actually went and bought them. So hmm. they own that. And they just did a deal with Brooks Brothers, who also filed Chapter 11. So I think they're recognizing, like, hey, we've got it. You know, we can't have all these faces go dark within our mall, so we, sure. we have to get into the retail business ourselves. I think we're going to see a lot more of that trending than the traditional model. Okay. So let's uh, let's transition a little bit. So um, uh, the city's been working with Shaheen's company on a project. So let me tell. I'll take a minute and sort of set the stage as to how we got there. So um, the city owns. Um, owned, <laughs> past tense now, right, uh, owned a, the parcel of property, sort of triangular-shaped parcel of property, roughly people would, from the area will know it's the, it's the large vacant area in front of Fry's uh, along the 78 there between the Santa Mar- San Marcos Boulevard exit and the Twin Oaks Valley Road exit, or I'm sorry, San Marcos Boulevard and uh, Las Posas exit. Um, and the city has owned that, owned that property. I think it bought it. It was a number of pieces and started buying in the sort of mid-2000s and then into the late 2000s. Um, and we had, it's interesting, you talked about the hotel thing. Um, you know, we had had some interest over the years um, from the normal sort of hotel users that you have, especially that like to be located along freeways and interchanges and what have you. And, and nothing wrong with that, but I think that the, the, the city um, took a, a, a patient approach um, to the property and, and um, in, in dealing with this, you know, the city council that was in office at the time or the members of the city council that were in the office at the time, we, we sort of, we, we all sort of developed a strategy like, look, this is the last um, really decent sized vacant piece of property on the 78 corridor. And we're very fortunate as a city that we own it. We, we let's, let's really try to find something that's, more than just generating TOT tax or sales tax or what have you, that's actually more about um, hopefully provide some revenue to the city in that way too, but also create some, some energy um, and some community benefit and just public interest um, as opposed to just the businesses that, you know, might cater to their customers. Um, and so um, I think it was back in like two, like I said, in 2013 or so, I came up and saw the, um, you were, what you were doing at the packing house and then, um, we came up and, and, and got a meeting. We, we, uh, test thanks to our economic development director. And I went up and, uh, Shaheen was uh, happy enough to meet with these two people. He didn't know anything about or anything. And, and we had a couple of really interesting discussions and, and we were pitching the city and the, the property and Shaheen and, and his team came down and, uh, we gave him a little tour of the city. And the ironic thing was, is that the, the property we really thought you'd be interested in was the first one we took you to, which we didn't own. Um, and then we showed you the one we did and a couple of days later, you guys said, Hey, that's the one we're interested in. Um, and so we were really ecstatic about that. Um, and in 2018, after a couple of years of, you know, discussing how we could make this work, the city council agreed to, to sell the property, uh, to Shaheen's company, um, to develop in a project that we're calling Marcos. Um, so, um, if you wouldn't mind, take a, a few minutes and talk about, you know, what your vision is for the property and, and how you see it. We saw it as a game changer in terms of uh, uh, non-residential development in the city. Um, so why don't you take a few minutes and talk about that? I think people will be really interested and excited to hear what your, what your plans are. Sure. Well, I think there is a lot that we liked about San Marco. I love the fact that it's a young um, 
it's a young city um, and it's fresh. And I think we were really impressed by the leadership, you know, for us to get in, involved in projects these days, you know, it's really, you know, it, it has to be a, a, truly a partnership with cities. You know, it's, it's, you know, we're not the type of company that we can, you know, just buy 10, 12 acres and just go plop in in a beige building with a reptile roof, you know. Um, I think, you know, we really wanted a city that had uh, understood our projects and really worked with us. Because each project that we do, we really try hard to build for the future and not just repeat anything from the past. We've done 49 projects and every, every one of them is different. Um, so we wanted to, you know, customize something again, it was customization, personalization, you know, localization, you know, I think those were all important for us. And, you know, we were so impressed with the leadership in San Marcos and how supportive they were and how open-minded they were. Um, this project is really what we believe is future retail. And as I alluded to earlier, you know, we think, the new model is micromanufacturing. These are people that actually make product and have and want the ability to sell it in the same place. So the old model that, you know, you made it in a factory somewhere out in the Inland Empire and then, you know, you ship your product across the country or across the state and sold it at a retail. I think when we're talking about these uh, handcrafted makers, that's a, that, that, that model is sort of obsolete. And so the, the the core of the project is really our what our company principle has been. We call it the four C's, which is community, culture, consciousness, and commerce. You know, we think that you know each location, each project, each concept really has to have those four elements at rest. Um, otherwise, I think it you know the projects end up being too sort of lopsided, and so. Marcos, we really are interested in sort of this um, indigenous um, culture. You know, every time we do a project, we really dig deep to, I, I, I always say, you know, in, in some ways I joke with my team that, you know, we're archaeologists in a sense that, you know, we got to keep digging for culture. And I know every corner of this state or this country has culture. You just have to sort of look for it, you know. And so we were so um, sort of taken away with this land was, you know, just original indigenous Indian land and how um, it's just transformed over the years. So we wanted to be inspired by that. So from an architectural standpoint, you know, we, we, we are taking a very artistic indigenous sort of approach to this. It's, it's organic. We've built three different villages. And, and, you know, I really wanted this experience that as you're coming down the freeway, you look at this and it just looks like these villages were here before you know, anything else was built in San Marcos, you know, and it's an opportunity for us to make this sort of the Eiffel Tower for San Marcos, you know, I really think it's it's placemaking and I just didn't want something that's just going to get lost and blended into a lot of the other commercial aspects in its surrounding. Um, we hired uh, Tom Kundik's firm out of Seattle. We've worked with them before. We're, we love what the firm does. They're very organic in their approach. Uh, and we felt it was important to use a non-California architecture just to get a different hand. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So all of that has achieved. And the product is basically, we're interested in, um, if you're a 
belt maker. You make these beautiful leather belts. We want you to come and make them here and then sell them here. And also, we want customers to come and watch you make your belts. So there is an entertainment address, the entertainment aspect to this. And if you're a, you make these beautiful leather bags. This, if you make a, if you're a surfboard shirt, uh, shaper, you know, I, I want you to make your boards here. And because the manufacturing part is is no different than my story about people wanting to know how to make beer, you know. Uh, for that matter, we, you know, we want to have a brewery in here, obviously, and we want to have coffee roastery so every product in here will have some sort of storytelling and some sort of interactive uh opportunity with the maker and so these are these are three maker villages and through the process it encompasses music and art um we like for it to sort of serve as an art district and and entertainment um and uh, we are working with really a uh, awesome landscape um, architect, Lane Goodkind, out of Santa Barbara, who's also done work for us. And he's he he has such a sort of a holistic, organic approach to his landscaping as well. So that's the general purpose of the project. And quite honestly, the project, you know, for me, it's kind of like Burning Man meets. <laughs> so we want it to really be different so that that's where our focus has been that, that's great i mean we're, we're i mean we're really excited i mean it's it's one of those things that as as, as a city and certainly as the staff um given the you know the what 2020 has been um it's one of those things we can all you know we're looking forward to right um everyone i think is starting to transition into this you know we need to start moving forward again kind of a thing and and i think this is um, this project as it moves forward and um, gets closer to construction and then eventually people, you know, utilizing it. Um, I think it's going to be, I mean, it's almost, I won't say it's geographically dead center in town, but it's pretty darn close to being dead center in town. And it's, it's an incredibly high, you know, visible property because it's um, just below the, the elevation of the freeway, but it's um, not so low that you'd be looking out across it. Um, and it's just, um, I, you know, we're just, you know, we're just really excited to, to continue to move forward on it. Um, and you know, like I said, it's, um, it's, it's, those are the kinds of things that we've had, you know, everyone's had a tough year, you know, cities have had tough years, businesses have had tough year. Um, but we're all trying to, uh, find our way to, to be optimistic and, and, and looking forward to what, what's still to come. So Shaheen, I really appreciate how uh, generous you've been with your time. Um, and thank you for, for joining us. Um, I think this was really, uh, interesting and I'm sure, um, we'll start to get more inquiries from uh, folks here in San Marcos about, Hey, when's that Marcos project going to happen? So thanks very much for uh, taking the time to join us. Oh, it's a pleasure, uh, Jack. Thank you so much. And, you know, I do want to take the opportunity and congratulate you on your, uh, staff at the city. They, they truly, I mean, we we're working with dozens of cities and, you, you, there, it's an out, outstanding, open-minded, advanced thinking, hardworking. Um, so I will tell you, and, and you know, I I think everyone's focus is to um, complete this project and make it a huge success, like we expect it to be. But it really wouldn't have been possible without sort of the 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 extra 
thinking and brain power that um, your staff has given us. So I, I'm, I'm really grateful for that um, opportunity. Thank you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that too. And I'm, I'm sure our staff will appreciate that when they, when they, when they listen to it, because it's mandatory, the staff has to listen to the podcast. <laughs> so uh, thank you very much and thank hey, you, Jen. have a thank great you. day. So that was uh, Shaheen Sadegi from Lab uh, Holding. Um, and so, yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, seeing that project move forward. Um, I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's a, it's a game-changing kind of a thing for um, a city our size to have, um, you know, a project like that that'll um, both be fantastic for our residents to, to come and, and experience and enjoy, but it'll also be a draw, I think, in the North County generally. And um, to that end, it'll be, a, I, I think it'll be one of those, those kinds of projects that sort of lifts everyone up um, that, um, it, you know, by bringing, um, you know, folks in from outside of town um, with such a convenient location um, that it'll, you know, hopefully have a, a very positive spinoff on uh, the rest of the businesses in town. So anyway, um, thanks very much for joining us again. And um, if you have any comments or suggestions, you can reach us at podcast at sand marcos.net and, um, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe and uh, tell a friend uh, to, to do the same and leave us, uh, leave us a review. And we look forward to uh, furthering a conversation about San Marcos down the road. Thanks very much.